you can tell somebody that something is good for you, but unless they discover it for themselves, it's probably not going to work. And noticing all the mental add-ons that we have, that we add on to the experience of food. You got to let go at some point and not cling too tightly to the rules, to the guides. Welcome our guest today, Sharon Sue. She is an author, trainer, teacher, professor, president of Sakyatita International Association of Buddhist Women. She has a degree in Buddhist studies from Harvard University. Her book, Occupy This Body, is a memoir of how Buddhism helped her heal from past trauma. Sharon teaches a mindful eating method to help people re-establish a healthy and joyful relationship to food and eating. Welcome to the Vegan Wellness World Summit, Sharon. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to speak with you and, and learn from your knowledge today. Can you share, uh, firstly, your story about how you became vegan? Ah, um, well, it's not a terribly radical story. Um, it, it's been a kind of gradual uh, shift into just stepping into what felt right for me. So, um, you know, a lot of times people think that all Buddhists are vegan, but that's not true. Um, but for me, you know, it's, it's always been something that has been important to me in terms of ethics and uh health and you know it's something that as when I was younger it was much harder to commit to because you know I wasn't necessarily in control of what I ate growing up in my family and then um you know I I, I don't think there's a particular moment when this happened but it was just a gradual shift into being far more comfortable and confident in this decision that I made for myself, you know, and um, a lot of times people really do think that if you're vegan, you expect everybody else to be vegan too. And as we know, that never goes over well when you try to convince people to do something that they're not ready for um, or they're not interested in. So for me, it's just um, something I've, I've just naturally done for myself. And, you know, the, once I made that, decision to be vegan for myself for my own purposes then there's been no going back so that's been that's been important for me as a kind of uh stepping into my I guess my more mature self you know yeah interesting what you said there as well about wanting to try and persuade other people to go vegan because mm -hmm. I think I slipped into that mindset at the start when you find out certain things are happening within uh, the animal agriculture industry mm -hmm. and, and how animals are treated. It's like, how don't more people know about this? And you, yeah. you feel it's your obligation to share it. Um, but do you think that pushes more people away from veganism? I, I think people are very threatened by uh, new knowledge systems, you know, that threaten their sense of what's right or, um, you know, pretty much whatever they've known in the past. We like to cling to things being uh, knowable and um, 
things that we can attach ourselves to and cling to because I mean, everything else as we know it is constantly shifting. And just to have somebody come up and tell you that your whole belief system and your knowledge system and how you're interacting in the world is actually harmful um, puts people on the defensive, right? And so, I mean, I, if you think of just as we're talking and thinking about um, vaccinations too, right? It's um, for some people, it's a real threat. Um, and I don't necessarily think they know why it's such a threat, but they don't want to get vaccinated despite all the scientific evidence encouraging them to do so, they still choose not to do it. And so if you go to that person, you know, and you push this with them, you're, you're probably not going to get the result you're looking for. Right. So, um, I know for myself in terms of, um, how I eat and being vegan, first of all, as you probably know, and most people on this, who are watching this know that if you're vegan, suddenly people think they need to change their behavior around you. Either they're upset by it and they start feeling uh, very self-conscious about their own eating habits. And therefore they don't want you saying anything about them. Um, so what I've discovered just with myself and, you know, my, my kids is, you know, I'm just going to stay the course and do what I'm doing. And if someone is curious, if they want to know, then I will share that with them. Otherwise, it's through um, how I behave in the world, right? So, um, and I, I think I get this from the Buddhist tradition as well. Like the Buddha was like, listen, don't believe a word I say, okay? You have to find this out for yourself. So there's this really famous, I use this model a lot with my own students, but there's this really famous uh, story where the Buddha has this gem in his hand and he's like, don't believe I have a gem in my hand. How would you even know? I could tell you, but you wouldn't know it for yourself unless you saw it, right? So you need to experientially see something before you can believe it. So I, I kind of have that same view with, um, well, actually not just how I eat, but pretty much everything that I do, right? You can tell somebody that something is good for you, but unless they discover it for themselves, it's probably not going to work. Oh, it makes total sense because I think back to how I used to be at the start when I first went vegan and how I interacted with people then and it kind of mm -hmm. scared them off. Whereas now I don't say anything but try and just uh, be a positive example through mm -hmm. action, through energy and just, just living a healthy life. And then that's attracted way more people to just be curious. Yeah. Um, which, which, which is a lot better because it's a lot positive for me and, and the people who, who I surround myself with. Um, with. With the Buddhism thing, super interested um, to know, just for those people who don't know, how would you describe Buddhism? Is it a religion? Is it a practice, a way of life, a meditation? What is it? Um, it's all of those things, right? So a lot of times people think that Buddhism is not a religion, but it's a philosophy, it's a way of life, it's a meditation practice. And that is definitely something that is true, but it has, um, that's a very Western um, modernist approach to Buddhism because Buddhism has always been a religion that has incorporated a philosophy that has uh, shaped a way of life that has included rituals, that has included devotion. And meditation is one of those practices, but it's not the only practice. But as um, Buddhism 
was introduced into the West through um, colonialism, through uh, Orientalism, et cetera, there has been a push to um, diminish a lot of the ritual and the devotion and highlight the meditation because the meditation seemed to be in alignment at that time with a lot of enlightenment values, right? So what we see as Buddhism in the West is actually just a small part of a much richer, larger tradition uh, that is, uh, it, it's religion. It just doesn't have a creator God. So a lot of times people don't see it as a religion because they assume religion has to have a creator God and Buddhism doesn't have that. So where does the, the Buddha fit in to that? Uh, the Buddha is a, a teacher, but things get tricky in the Buddhist tradition because there is no God, right? That has created the universe or the cosmos. But at the same time, there are uh, teachers and enlightened beings like the Buddha who, you know, he never considered himself a God. So when he, his students would ask him, you know, well, what are you? Are you a God? He'd be like, no, I'm not a God. Well, what are you? I'm awake, right? So he awoke to a truth that he shared with his disciples. So that's a very kind of um, uh, unmagical, non-mystical kind of teaching that he gave. At the same time, in the Buddhist tradition, there are all these stories in the Buddhist texts about the miracles of the Buddha, his ability to you know, levitate, to recollect all of his past lives, future lives, uh, to teach simultaneously in different dimensions of the world. So most of those kinds of teachings have probably not made it into the popular perception of Buddhism in the West, right? What has made it is, oh, I'm not a god, I'm awake, right? But that is one teaching amongst many. So there's a way in which the Buddha was like, listen, he probably didn't speak that casually, but he said, you know, there are 84,000 Dharma doors to liberation, meaning 84,000 different kinds of teachings leading you to freedom and liberation. There's not one single teaching that's the most important, but it's different methods and uh, what he called skillful means to get you to that direction. So whether if it's through devotion, or if it's through something less uh, ritually oriented, but perhaps more meditatively centered. It doesn't matter, right? What you believe, but it's how you engage in the world and how you act in the world. And so whether you believe in the cycle of rebirth with multiple senses of um, consciousness, or if you're more focused on you know, what's in front of your face, you know, there, there's a variety of different practices and there's not a single one. So I think in the modern West, people get, people mistake the ritual and the devotion for a kind of popular religion that's somehow a watered down version of the real thing. And the real thing is said to be meditation. But from a Buddhist perspective, that's actually not true. It's the ritual and the devotion and the meditation as part of a larger picture Right. And it, it kind of depends on your personal inclination. So that's probably a longer answer, but it's a really hard. Uh, you, you give an academic this kind of question, you're never going to get a single answer. Where, where would people be able to find you? Oh, perfect. Yeah. So um, 
uh, I have a website, uh, www.mindfuleatingmethod.com. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at Mindful Eating Method. And same thing on Facebook too, Mindful Eating Method. I teach eight-week classes in mindful eating. I teach workshops. I teach one-on-ones. So yeah. Um, and currently they're all online through Zoom. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Thanks yeah. so much, Sharon. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Vegan Wellness Podcast. Please share this episode on social media and with friends to help the channel grow. And I look forward to speaking with you in the next episode.